Welcome to the Dangling Conversation. Here I am with my favorite mother, <laughs> <laughs> Kathy Bergdorf Wetrick. And so, mom, what did you what did you think whenever I told you I was going to start a podcast? I thought, "Oh boy." <laughs> Why? <laughs> well, I I didn't really know much about podcasts at that time. So I didn't know how that was going to go. I was a little nervous, really. Yeah. Because I thought, oh, that's pretty public. (laughs) (laughs) And I say a lot of things. Yeah. And like anybody can listen in. And that's putting a lot of yourself out there for like just anybody to listen. So I was a little nervous. And I didn't really listen to a lot of podcasts at that time, so I didn't really have a whole lot of frame of reference. But, and I didn't know if you'd stay with it, too. Yeah. So I it's thought, just well, a phase. Right. So I thought, okay, well, we'll see how this goes. But I have to say, I've been pretty impressed. You're pretty hey. good at it. Hey. Yeah. And I think you've really also developed some really good skills over time. I think um, you've really improved from the beginning um, till now. Um, I'm scared to go back and listen to those early episodes. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I've purposefully avoided it. Right. Probably a good idea. But <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think you've really improved. But um, some, are, some have been better than others. Oh, yeah. But, um, but I've been impressed. Yeah. Like, I think you've really, really improved and, um, and gotten really good um, at asking really good questions and kept the flow going and, um, been good at asking thoughtful questions. You've really gotten better at that. And I've really enjoyed listening to them, but I can't remember what I really thought at the beginning, but I've grown in my understanding in what podcasts are. Yeah. And, um, since then also it's kind of opened me up to listening to other podcasts. Oh, really? too. Yeah. What have you listened to? Well, I've like, well, now I listen to a lot more of news podcasts, (laughs) (laughs) which is like totally different. Right. But just like. For you, it's more so navigating the podcast app. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Because, you know, I'm not very tech savvy, but but learning more just about platforms and other things. So I've just really appreciated Ben. What what I've liked about it is like, especially in college, it's been a great way for you to get to know my college friends. Yeah, for sure. Where, like, before you had met Doniel, mm-hmm. you would listen to the podcast that had come out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, or, like, with my friends that I've, like, you had met before, like, Sizemore or whatever, mm-hmm. um, you get to kind of, like, hear his voice. and mm-hmm. Or just met briefly and then hear yeah. more about their stories and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So sure. I've really, I've really enjoy that like like now you know um cassidy weston's wife like you know her where you would have had no frame of reference for her right previously or learning more about lee yeah in general and yeah the university and like when he interviewed their your professor and things like that so yeah didn't you do like kind of like a podcast before podcast thing but it was with some people at our church right yeah so i forgot the name of it but it was basically a mobile recording booth and it was about people recording um their stories like you could do it was about um 
oral history mm. where you could go into the booth and um, record oral history. And it was back in the day you could get a CD burned. And yeah, <laughs> I recorded. How long ago was this? I don't even think about how long ago that was. That was early 2000s. Who did you who did you do it with? Um, a lady from church. She was a elderly lady at the church. Mother Hill. Mother Hill. Uh huh. Yeah. How old was she lady. when she was died? Uh, was she in her hundreds? No, 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 no. No, no. Eighties, okay. upper eighties when she passed. Okay. At the time, she was probably in her seventies. Would you? Did you guys just talk about like her growing up? And yeah, yeah, and um, just for her, for just her history and family history, and for you know our differences and our similarities, being um, in relationship with each other. Um, her being um, an elderly African-American woman and me being a younger white mother and uh, our affection for each other and the bonds that we had in uh, Christ as sisters in Christ and this how special that relationship was Um, but the 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 differences she had seen in the church over Mm. her period of time yeah um, and reconciliation racial reconciliation that she had seen in the church over time so do you still have those cds i do somewhere yeah (laughs) in a in a a box in a a special box somewhere in the basement but yeah i do have them and have several different copies of them that'd be fun to pull out it would be i don't know i mean i know that i have i know which box they are in the basement but i haven't pulled you just have it yeah I, I I sort of remember what she looked like. Mm-hmm. I remember more specifically the mole <laughs> on her hand. Uh-huh. I have a picture of our hands interlocked that somebody took at church. This is sweet. Yeah. Sweet and she loved sweet potatoes. That was yes. what she always said about like. She said she ate one every day. Yeah. She said, I, I have a sweet potato every day and that's why I've lived so long. Yeah, and like, I remember looking sweet. at her. I'm like, I don't think I want to live that long. <laughs> But <laughs> or you didn't want to eat a sweet potato every day either. I didn't like sweet potatoes back then. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. But so obviously in addition to being my podcast predecessor, I guess. Yeah. So um, that was my I, yeah. So uh, then I was interviewing her. Now I'm being interviewed. Yeah. Full circle. Um you're also my mom yeah. and you're also my teacher. Yeah. So well, I was not anymore. yeah you were uh, you you was <laughs> um obviously like you homeschooled us but on top of that like why did you want to start teaching how did you know like that was what you wanted to do yeah so I think I was pretty blessed early in my life to discover that that was my gifting okay you like to boss other kids around hey <laughs> not bossy i've got skills leadership, leadership skills. skills understand <laughs> um no i i um i was like probably 14 and i started teaching swimming lessons my high school had a summer um swimming lessons program and which i had already taken swimming lessons through um, and then I started teaching as a summer job and I discovered, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good at this teaching thing. I kind of, kind of am good at this, kind of like that. And, um, so that was kind of my first realization that I was pretty good at teaching. 
and um, just kind of, and also my dad was a high school guidance counselor and he really enjoyed um, helping people, um, helping kids discover career paths and finding out what they were good at. So that really helped as well. Um, and so I, it was just something I was discovered very early in life that that was my gifting um, and that really helped. Um, and then when I was in high school, really liked the idea of, um, becoming, uh, be involved with auditory training or audiology, audiology, and then, uh, discovered that my high school had, um, a class in your senior year that you could take called cadet teaching and you could leave school for two hours a day which i thought hey yeah sign me up for that out of here exactly i could drive away from school (laughs) (laughs) um and you could go and 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 help an area elementary school teacher you were paired with a teacher um and you got a grade for it and then you would return to your school and so i signed up for that and then my dad discovered that there was a hearing impaired classroom um, at a, a different school um, that was a little further away. And so my dad approached the, the program for my high school cadet teaching and they said, hey, this, this school is a little farther away, but they've got a hearing impaired classroom. Can my daughter do cadet teaching for that classroom for the second semester? And they gave me permission to travel a little farther, got involved with that classroom, and I loved that. That can, that kind of combined both things. My interest in hearing impaired and deaf children as well as teaching. And so that kind of set me on the career path for um, teaching deaf and hearing impaired. So then by the time I entered college, I double majored in deaf and hearing impaired special education as well as um, elementary education. So I was just really blessed to know early in life what my my gifts and talents were. Um, and so that set me up really well for entering college to do that. Yeah. Much different than like dad's story where he's just like, yeah, his path I tried everything, a different. Yeah. <laughs> which is like, that's what I relate to. Mm, and, yeah, yeah. But like Natalie and I would also say like Gloria, yeah. they've, they like knew earlier. They knew earlier. Yeah. And like, like Natalie's loving nursing and knows like, Oh, this is what, this is what I want. Right. Um, but everybody's path looks a little different. Everybody's yeah. journey. A little how different. long did you, how long did you teach? Um, after college, I uh, got my teaching certification. I taught for one year at St. Rita's school for the deaf. And then for six years in the public school system, um, mainstream hearing impaired, um, and deaf students before I stayed home yeah and had kids so yeah yeah did you do tutoring because I remember there was one student that you would work with I did uh when you kids were a little when I stayed home but when you guys were little I did some substitute teaching Mm -hmm. still as well as some tutoring like after school as well kind of just to kind of keep my foot in the door um little extra money here and there yeah um but yeah dabbled a little bit (laughs) That's, you know, for public school system, but, um, but mostly I was home. Did you know that you wanted to homeschool us like as soon as you had kids or like, what was your introduction to homeschooling? 
Wow. So yes and no. It, it was not an easy decision, but so I, my first introduction to homeschooling was when I was growing up, my neighbors um, actually homeschooled their two sons, their oldest, and that was back in the day when nobody yeah, homeschooled. Yeah, nobody. Nobody homeschooled. Nobody who didn't wear a jean skirt. <laughs> well, not even then. <laughs> um, their oldest was really, really bright, but he had a uh, late birthday. Like his birthday was in November and the school would not allow them to go ahead and put him, start him in school. And she's like, well, I'm not going to let him sit here and do nothing because they won't let me put him in kindergarten because his birthday is late or first grade. And so she just started teaching him at home and then continued. And I don't know how she did it, but got him, got permission to keep doing school at home because he was so bright. Um, and so I just admired that because I got to, I saw how they got to teach to his giftings and, um, and he was so far ahead of the kids in the public school and, and the freedom that they had to keep working with his, um, (laughs) teach, teach to his giftings, not, he wasn't being held back by being with the kids in his class because he didn't have to wait for everybody to be finished. (laughs) And they had, you know, the freedom to go on field trips and any time of the day. And it was just really, really cool. I'm like, wow, that's pretty awesome. Um, they eventually did put him in school later, but, um, so that was my first introduction to it. So then flash forward, you know, when you all were born or when Natalie was born, um, I really, liked the idea of being home with you guys, but I also really was enjoying my job and I enjoyed teaching. Um, and I loved the students. It was very, very fulfilling. I also enjoyed the paycheck, um, (laughs) and having a double income, but I also really, it sounds kind of selfish, but I also didn't really like the idea of giving the best part of my day and the best part of my patience and the best part of myself to other people's kids. Yeah. And then having to come home and having to do it all over again. Like I knew what was ahead, like, and then having to come home and then do it all over again with my own kids. Okay. Get out your science work. Let's practice for the spelling test. Let me see your math work. And then having to give the leftovers to you guys. Right. Um, I didn't think I had it in me to be a very good mommy. <laughs> yeah. Um, On after, top of being a teacher. Exactly. And at the end of the day, I wanted to be a better mommy than a better teacher. Yeah. Um, so, and I remember, I remember like when I was pregnant with Natalie um, she was, you know, going to be born in May. And, you know, when you teach special education, you spend multiple years with the same students. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember the parents really pressuring me, oh, you're going to come back next year, right? After the baby is born, you're, yeah. you know, you're going to come back. Right. And, um, I remember talking with my dad 
and just feeling really torn because I really loved those students. And, and he's like, well, Kathy, of course they want you to come back because you're a good teacher and they want the best for their, their kids. And he's like, but now it's your turn to be the parent and you have to make the best decision for your kids. And if that's you returning to and being a teacher, then great. But if that's you staying at home and being with your kids, then that's that's what you that's the decision that you have to make for yeah. your family. And I'm like, oh, right. Well, I'm staying home with my kids. Yeah. <laughs> so that was just like the final push, you know. And of course, Dad was behind me 100 percent to to be able to stay home. So it was a big decision, and it meant you know. Um, giving up a paycheck and um, making things work on, you know, without the income that I was bringing in. But God was faithful and it worked out. And in the end, I think it was the right decision. And um, and then as far as homeschooling, it was just a decision we made every year um, from year to year. And I think it was, I think it was good. How familiar were you with the concept of like a co-op where it's not just you anymore. It's like, okay, like we got, we got other people, other kids and like the whole homeschool or socialization thing. You mean after we left harvest? Yeah. Like when we started doing CC and stuff. Yeah. That was, that was a big transition. I wasn't as familiar with any other co-ops after we left because we were just hanging out with families from harvest and up until that point. Um, and so it was a big change going to other co-ops after that. Um, and then we homeschooled very differently after that. Yeah. So that was a big switch. But, um, you know, and, and nothing's perfect. Um, you, you glean what you can from everything that you do and adjust as you go along the way. Yeah. And you, you didn't start teaching at CC. You gave it a year, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Jumped in. Uh, because uh, for economic reasons, I needed to teach. Yeah, to help pay for our tuition. Or right, right. Because it, it allowed me to be able to, teaching um, allowed me to be able to uh, compensate for tuition for you guys and pay for books. So I jumped in with everything because I'm like I we can't afford to do this otherwise (laughs) so I taught at the at as soon as we started yeah okay and then you were eventually a director yeah how was that Uh, (laughs) it had its ups and downs I mean again the financial benefit helped um God really showed me that again teaching is my first gifting but I also grew in administrative gifts that I didn't know that I had Mm. um so that was a stretch teaching still is my first area of gifting for sure but I learned a lot I learned a lot and I also learned a lot about shepherding other parents um in homeschooling and I learned a lot about grace and mercy yeah um that I would not have learned otherwise yeah so that was good 
um it was a stretch i was telling i forget who i was talking to about this it might have been brian rogers i don't know you should check out his episode, by the way. Um, I did. I already listened to it. <laughs> I'm talking to you, meaning oh, the listener. Oh, everybody else. Yes, <laughs> you should listen to that one. It's good. Everyone um, else, listen to that one. But like how whenever you would homeschool us, uh, there would be the once a year threatening to put us in <laughs> oh, public yeah. school. Oh, yeah. And I, or I, more than once a year. I was, I was usually, I, I think I told him, <laughs> it was about every six months. Yes. And I was like, the first time I was like, I was like 10. I was like, no, mom, don't. And I'm like, I'm crying. Don't put me in public school. <laughs> they smoke, mom. Like, like I don't. Like, it usually I went like this. Well, if you can't do the work for me, you leave me no choice well, than to put you well, in public school. Well, so you, you, but you did it so many times <laughs> that like by the third time, I basically was like, I had that look of, oh, I'm, yeah, yeah I messed up. I, that was my bad. And then I would just like go to my room and not think about it because i was like oh, okay <laughs> one of my favorite moments with you oh no. <laughs> oh, no. Is, and this was high school is this the flashcard story no okay this, this is one of my favorite moments noah let me see your biology test so i can grade it okay here, <laughs> here mom here it is can you hand it to me and i'm grading it and I flip the paper, <laughs> and there's nothing on the back. Yeah. No answers. And I'm like, no, this isn't done. Oh, yeah, I did this. I'm like, no, it isn't. You didn't flip the paper. I'm like, no, well, why would you think the biology test ended at eight questions? <laughs> you didn't turn the page. <laughs> because ignorance is bliss. <laughs> I handed it back to you. I'm like, don't give this to me until it's done. I think I probably you didn't even turn the page. That sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah, and I can. I, I you're think, a sophomore in high school. I, <laughs> I think. I think what it was. You just was didn't want to do it. Well, well, I think I I knew there was the other page, but I was basically going to be like, is she gonna grade my work? All right, exactly. And so if she does, it's like the first glance. Okay, you did it. And like I could get away. No, I'm with actually that. grading each question. But like if she's actually grading it, <laughs> I, uh, I I was bamboozled. Yeah, exactly. This is why I have gray hair. <laughs> uh, gray hair with dye in it. Mm, um, you're right now. So, it was were there any actual times where you're like, I think I should send them to public school, <laughs> or were there all those all empty threats? Uh, no, well, I no, I really wondered. <laughs> <laughs> This might go better if he was in school, far, far away from me. Do you think, <laughs> which which of us kids do you think would have had the hardest time in public school? I don't know if that's fair to name names in a public place. It's the kids. They're fine. I don't know. They can suck it up. Um, I think you socially. Really? Yeah. Why? Because you're pretty sensitive. <laughs> <laughs> What do you mean by that? <laughs> early, early, especially in in elementary school. Yeah. I, um, Audrey academically because of the dyslexia. Yeah. I think she would have fallen through the cracks. Oh yeah. I think it would have gone undetected for a long time, and then I think she would have fallen far behind. You know, farther behind. Because I'm sensitive. What does that mean? What do you mean I, by that? <laughs> I, when you were little, especially, like, you would have been concerned about other kids and, I don't know, I haven't thought about that question, like, which of you would have had the hardest time? I don't know. 
I remember one time we were driving by. <laughs> Natalie was in the car. She was like kindergarten age. We drove by the school. And of course, we're driving by at recess time. And all the kids are out playing and have a good time. And Natalie goes, Mom, did you just forget to sign me up for school? Oh, man. <laughs> I'm like, ah, <laughs> I felt so bad. Did you ever think about like the, the socialization aspect? Like being difficult for us? No. I wasn't worried about it. Yeah. Because you guys were involved in a plenty of things. Like, I, that was the least of my concerns. Yeah. Like, because I knew, like, socialization doesn't come from school and being with other kids. Socialization comes from being in a well-adjusted family. Yeah. Like, it doesn't have anything to do with being with peers. Socialization yeah. comes from learning social skills from a well-adjusted family. Yeah. Your your family is your core. Yeah. Not not peers your age. Yeah. Um I remember being in a neighborhood talking with a, a neighbor and um she's standing there asking me about, you know, aren't well, aren't you afraid about your kids not being very social as her two children are hiding behind her literally. Really? Being too shy to talk to anyone they're they're literally hiding behind her legs yeah, and won't come out behind uh-huh. yeah. won't come out <laughs> from behind her to I, i'm like lady have you met my children yeah <laughs> like and you guys are I'm like over dancing in the exactly. corner exactly and you guys yeah. are happy kids running around and playing and her kids won't talk to anybody because they're too afraid i'm like socialization and social skills come from being a, a part of a well-grounded family they come from your 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 parents and knowing th- that you are your confidence comes from um these people are here to support you exactly not the peers that you're with um so i wasn't i wasn't concerned about social skills at all i think i think one of the things about especially about like you know i i think you do see those traits in plenty of kids that like are public school that have good families and stuff like that but growing up I remember the thing, like, like it would be said to all of us kids, but just like, you're so good at talking to adults. And that would always annoy me as a kid because I'm like, like, this wasn't this thing of like, yes, I have sat in my room and practiced speaking to this person. <laughs> and, and like, this is how you approach the adult. This is how, like, it was just something I'm like, yeah, like, I'm just talking to you, aren't I? Like, but that seemed to be kind of, a more common thing amongst homeschoolers, I think, where because it's not just like your mom is your teacher. Yeah. And then a lot of people do co-ops and then you're expected to like communicate with other adults, communicate with other adults. And like I, I genuinely feel as if like a lot of the homeschool moms that I grew up around, like it's really easy, more so than kids my age. I talk to the moms a lot. I like I, I I would always talk to Mrs. Ng. I talk to, I'd always talk to Mrs. Chang and Mrs. Kreitzer and stuff like that. But did you like? Were you were you ever scared about influences for us? Because I think like that's kind of a negative stereotype around homeschoolers, where they're like, oh, you're just homeschooling because like you don't want the public schoolers influence or whatever was that something that crossed your mind was that something that like you were concerned about with our various activities with degenerate kids <laughs> <laughs> like was that a reason we kept you out of public school no it was just like a thought that crossed your mind like 
I guess that's more of a parental concern than it is like a homeschooling concern. We live in the world, right? right? And and there's always going to be the influence of the world. I think, I think our thoughts around that was we just always hoped to be able to help you guys navigate whatever you faced, whatever it was. Um, And we hoped, I think we hoped to um, help you maintain a level of innocence for as long as we could without it crossovering, without it being Immaturity and naivety. Naivety. Yeah. How do you say that word? <laughs> naivete. I don't, naivety. Yeah. Like Being un, in, in an, an inappropriate, like yeah. a, an appropriate innocence, right? A, a childhood, a, an appropriate innocence that is appropriate for the childhood level that you're at. And then navigate what is what comes to you in the time that it comes not carrying burdens that were um, that you weren't ready for Um, and then when they came trying to navigate them when they came Um, so being aware of um, protecting the innocence that you had but then preparing you for what was ahead when it was time yeah. is what we were tr- what we tried to do <laughs> and you know not i don't know that we were always successful in that we certainly made our share of mistakes um but that's i think what we we tried to do as parents um in terms of the influence of the world and um and because world is the world it's always going to be there looking especially especially with like the kids that i played basketball with there was so many times that i'm like oh you have your parents entirely fooled into who you are <laughs> like i'm already concerned about that with my kids where it's just like what if like i have this perception of them and they're doing like and i think they're fine but like the reality is they're just hiding everything from me and they're doing a good job at it and like whatever but you know uh Corey Ten Boom the book The Hiding Place yeah and one point in her book she talks about her dad um she has a realization of something and I can't even remember the instance that she has um but she has a realization about something and she brings it to her dad and she's like, why didn't you tell me about this? And they're riding the train when this happens and they come to their stop and, and her dad looks at her and she says, he says, Corey, pick up your luggage and get off the train. And she looks at him and she says, you know, what do you mean, dad? I, I can't, that's too heavy for me. And he said, exactly. He said, and that's why I didn't tell you that it wasn't time you that was too big of a burden for you to carry yeah just as right now i'm going to pick up that luggage and carry it for you and i that when i read that that struck me as man that's a wise wise parent and i that I, I carried that piece of 
wisdom. I was like, yeah, that is a wise parent. Um, I think that's what your dad and I tried to always do is try to give you the knowledge that you were ready for when you were ready for it and protect you guys, the all of you, from what you weren't ready for before it was time. Yeah. Not that we did any of that perfectly. Right. But that's but still what we being aware for. of like and trying to implement that rather than just well, they're a kid, like <laughs> Right. Yeah. Right. It's hard. It's hard to do. Our parenting is not easy for sure. But I think that's what we always hoped to do. Um, and again, not that we got it right 100% of the time, but um, in terms of what's out there in the world and what's waiting for you and the influences that are there, that was always our hope. And that's what we always tried to do. And so, you know, I know a lot of people choose to homeschool to try to protect their kids from the influences of that are there, you know, the influences from the bad kids. Yeah. Um, a gangster rap. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that was our main motivation um, at all, but um, that was our that was our approach yeah. in terms of what, you know, in the bad influences that are in the world yeah. for you guys. This will be my last homeschooling question. Okay. But Audrey, is she going to be a sophomore? She'll be a sophomore in high school. So three more years. Yeah. Line up in the tunnel. And then uh, you're an one. empty nester. Ugh. What has it been like transitioning from, like, you know, having us all home to, like, Natalie's gone, then I'm gone, then Glory's gone. And yeah. It's just like a boom, 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 like yeah, very, very fast. And suddenly there's this huge transition. And then the even bigger transition of Audrey being an empty nester. What what has that been like? Yeah. Uh, so I would say every season of parenting has its joys and challenges for sure. Um, and this transition of transitioning you guys – uh, into adulthood has not been my favorite season of parenting. <laughs> it has been, I guess, just because I wasn't prepared for prepared for it. I don't know. Yeah. Um. It just it's been it. I I I don't know what I expected. I just didn't know what to expect. Oh. Um. It's there's just I guess because I wasn't prepared for. Um, there's no like all the big decisions, right? Like there's just a lot of big decisions for you guys. And I think I wasn't prepared for all of that. Um, but it's been great as well. Like it's been amazing to see you all, to see the three of you guys um, make those big decisions and walk beside you in all of that. And it's been a joy to see you guys discover your next thing. Um, and walk beside you in making those decisions where you're going to college and um, career choices and and beyond. Um, but they've been big, weighty decisions. And so with that, I, <laughs> I've joked with Dad about, you know, remember when they were little and I'd take and them all was to sensitive. the I would take them to the zoo. Yeah. And then we'd come home and they'd nap and I'd make dinner. That was so easy. Your world is so small. <laughs> yeah, right. I just I just want to go to the zoo. <laughs> yeah. Um and you get part of that with David and Gracie being yeah, so close. Which is fun. Um but but again, 
you know, every every season of parenting has its joys and challenges. So I, it has been a joy, but um, there are days when the big decisions get get big. So um, yeah, so that's where I'm at. So now that now the big decisions that are ahead are looking at okay, what what am I going to do? Um, Audrey's got just three years left at home and they're three great big years for her and I'm excited to see what she's going to do next and walk with her in the next seasons you know learning to drive and her make big decisions um that's exciting um looking forward to those but then the next big decisions are okay what am I going to do next yeah so that's fun yeah um I don't know yet <laughs> wait and see um so we got back um what is today is today monday it's just we, monday. We, <laughs> we got back saturday from miram mm-hmm. which is our church camp mm-hmm. we are utterly exhausted um i slept 12 hours last night mm-hmm. but do you kind of want to explain what Miram is and its significance to like our family. So Miram was a church camp that I grew up going to and it's where dad and I met. Um, and then you guys started going at a certain age. We started taking you guys and um, you guys were all campers and then we've kind of gone back most years Um, and then this past summer was pretty awesome because we all got to be back, um, in some capacity, counselors, campers, camp nurse. It's kind of fun to be all there together this past summer, but it's pretty special just because of the family history there. And then extended family was there this year too, um, with cousins and, uh, your aunt and uncle and, um, it's a very, very small camp. <laughs> How many um, kids do we have? 57 campers oh. this past summer. Um, but, you know, um, every year God shows, shows up and we get to see him do big things with not a lot of frills <laughs> or amenities <laughs> yeah. um, or fancy things. But um, I was amazed to see what he does in the hearts and lives of both the campers and counselors. Um, it's exhausting. Um, but you know, ministry, uh, as, as well. And, um, we put ourselves out there and he, he honors it. So, um, you kind of skipped over the most important part that we're going to be talking <laughs> about, which is you That's meeting right. dad yeah i met my husband there and i met my husband and i met jesus in the same summer so yeah. that was pretty cool wait so uh let's uh let's talk about this <laughs> let's talk about love how how did you meet dad what is your first memory of him um gosh i was just 14 he was 16 we were campers my, some of my first memories, I don't know, it was, the camp was bigger then. There was a lot more campers that went. And his sister Sarah was in my family group or my cabin too. Met her there as well. And I just like, I don't know, just something about him caught my attention. 
That's so nondescript. <laughs> right. <laughs> Oh, he's pretty. Yeah, pretty much. He's cute. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we just saw each other every summer, and I just always paid special attention to where he was and what he was doing. Like, I'd always just make sure to nonchalantly sit his, at his table. Or back in the day, it was the 80s, so <laughs> people played hacky sack, and I was terrible at it. I was so bad. And I don't know if you, you know what hacky sack is, this little beanbag thing you'd stand in a circle and you try to keep it up with your foot and I was so bad at it but I'd make a fool of myself and I'd go over and play hockey sack because he was there yeah <laughs> oh man I was so bad but it didn't matter because he was standing in the circle so I'd mosey over and try to play hockey sack too was that from the beginning or was there kind of a point where things shifted and you're like hmm let me let me see if I can talk to Paul yeah but it was just like it was very loose and casual every summer, except for like one summer when Sarah walks up to me, his sister, and she goes, "Do you like my brother?" And I was like, "Oh no, it's obvious." How old were you? It was probably that first summer. It's like I gotta, I gotta do a better job of hiding this. <laughs> Are you and Sarah the same age? Yeah. Okay. She's a year behind me in school because her birthday in school because her birthday was in October, so she yeah. was a year behind me. But, but we were just like we're friends every summer. But we never did anything about it because he lived in Evansville and I lived in, grew up in Indianapolis. But we were always just camp friends every summer, you know, one week yeah. out of the summer. And I was I was fourteen. Yeah. Um, until like we got old enough that I was in college, and then I started being a counselor. Mm-hmm. And he was a counselor too. And then I just remember there was one. <laughs> was college i was a counselor and we spent one whole rec period like in the afternoon there's like free time we call it recreation and i had no idea where my campers were and he had no idea where any campers were and we just sat outside and talked the entire recreation period (laughs) just sat outside outside of whalen the nurse station just talked not watching any campers do anything. Not, Just not, lost in each other's <laughs> eyes. Bev was probably so mad because we weren't in charge of anything. We just sat there and talked the whole time. When we were probably supposed to be watching campers do something or be in charge of some kind of activities. <laughs> and then we went home. And I remember I was doing something after camp. Walked out to the mailbox uh, like a week after camp, and there was a letter in the mailbox from Paul Burkdorf. I'm like, huh, I've known him for a lot of years, and I've never once gotten a letter from him after camp or at all, ever. Yeah. And uh, the letter was supposed to be – in the letter, he was asking. He's like, oh, there's supposed to be some people from Indianapolis coming down from Evansville you know, next week, are you going to come? And I'm like, well, now I am. Yeah. I am. <laughs> who's, who's coming down? Who's, where are these people going? I better, I better find out who's coming. I, I better go. And then, so that weekend we spent like the whole weekend together, just talking and hanging out. And, um, and then, um, I was starting my sophomore year of college at that point, And then we just started writing letters and then that led to phone calls, and that led to making trips to seeing each other. And you guys never made it official. It was just kind of like a... Yeah, we're hanging out. Yeah. Yeah. But everybody, like... Everybody knew. Everybody knew. Right. But, 
and then we just like we'd see each other every month or like once a month or every other month but he was at Western Kentucky University and I was at Ball State or I was in Indianapolis living at Indiana School for the Deaf and then I was at Ball State and then he finished his degree and then I was at Ball State and he moved to Cincinnati so it was just it was long distance the whole time how long did you guys date? Four years. Oof. I know it was a long four years, but he was either in Cincinnati. I was either at Ball State and he was at Western, or then he moved to Cincinnati and then I was finishing school. So and then always we'd be at camp together, and then yeah. Was there any moment where it struck you, you know, like oh like I think this is it or Not was it long just after we started dating? Really? Yeah, but I also knew that we had a long time to date yeah. because I knew that I wanted to finish my degree yeah. before we got married. So I remember <laughs> pretty early on, um, I called my dad and I said, dad, I'm going to go down to Evansville. This was like the second time I was going to go down to see him. I called my dad from a payphone. <laughs> <laughs> when you just be picking up random numbers, no <laughs> caller ID or anything. Right. Because I was living at Indiana School for the Deaf, and there was no phones in our room. I had to walk to a payphone yeah. to call my dad. And I said, Dad, I'm going down to Evansville to see Paul. And I said, things here are really tough. I'm really stressed, and I'm just going to go down to Evansville to see Paul. And uh, he goes, weren't you just there, like, last month? I'm like, yeah. And he didn't want me to go because it was a three-hour drive, three-and-a-half-hour drive. And he goes... He's like, you're driving by yourself? I'm like, yeah. You're just there. I'm like, yeah. He's like, well, well, it's your gas and your money and your time. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, it's my gas and my money and my time. And it'll be okay. He's like, well, call me when you get there so I know you're safe. I'm like, okay, I will. That sounds like grandpa. I know. And, also check and out I that episode. Right. <laughs> And I knew that he was just worried about me going. And yeah. I remember thinking, you know what? In years from now, when Paul and I are married, it's not going to matter. I know he's upset with me now, but when we're married, but just this like is that not going to matter. But just like that visceral, like that mm-hmm. clear. And that early. And um, <clears throat> so I just kind of filed away. Like, this is not going to matter that he's mad at me now. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I didn't like upsetting my dad. Yeah. So it was that early that I kind of knew. We'd end up married. Yeah. Later. Did did doing it long distance for all that time make it hard when you guys actually got married? Make it like weird of like, oh, it was a just... transition for sure. Yeah. Especially the second year we married. It was like, oh. You're not leaving. <laughs> you're still here. And yeah. he was like, Oh, you're still here. <laughs> yeah. You know, missing you was kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. But it was a transition for sure, but that's okay. Yeah. But it was also, also like, I knew we had to be patient at the beginning because I knew we had a long time to date, like I said before, because I knew I wanted to finish my degree before we got married. So yeah, I think that's also why we said so early we didn't make it official very early on because mm. I knew we had to do this a long time. Yeah. We knew we had to do this a long time. And you guys have been married how many years now? 29 plus. It'll be 30 30 next year? Yeah, 30 next year in April. Wow. I know. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy stuff. How much How much have you guys, like, I guess, how do you feel as if you have grown? How do you feel as if he has grown 
in that 30 years? I don't even know how to s- describe that. Like, we're completely not the same people that we were right. when we got married. You you grow exponentially. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're, I mean, altogether different people than we were when we got married off of the better yeah (laughs) of course right but yeah we've grown up and grown together and yeah can't imagine doing it with anybody else yeah can't imagine who i'd be without being married to paul like i can't even conceptualize yeah yeah <laughs> like that's weird <laughs> yeah i think that's what's kind of cool about like the concept of like two becoming one right because there comes that point where you just like there's just no like you can't th- and like I, I i've kind of found this with Doniel, where with like him being married now it's no longer hey man do you want to go do this thing it's not like absolutely i do it's like let me make sure with my wife. Right. Because like for him, his decisions directly affect who he's with. Now it's right. not like, no, she's like out of town or something. Right. That's a whole so different thing. But like multiply that by 30 and four children on top of it. Yeah. Right. Like I can't even. Yeah. So I know like I'm a, I can tell you, you know, all kinds of ways that I've grown personally from it, but like, from being married to Paul and all the kinds of ways that I would have to think about it for a very long time, you know, like, but I know that I have grown and matured in so many different ways that like, I can't imagine how it would, like, I'm still the, I'm still myself, Yeah. but I've grown, I can't. I'm doing a really bad job of answering that question. No, that's a hard one. Yeah. I don't even know how to conceptualize. Do you have a memory of us as a family that you like really treasure where it's just like, like a moment that's just kind of like a snapshot in your mind. I was thinking about like, um, bike rides, Mm -hmm. family bike rides. Yeah. Those are always like big snapshots like growing up. Yeah, our family bike rides in Hartwell when y'all were little and riding Audrey bikes. Audrey would be in the back of your yeah. bike. And yeah, Audrey on the back of our bike and taking all those family hikes too and family vacations. Our trip. Uh, A trip out west. Zion, yeah. Oh my gosh. Like the whole trip out west, top to bottom. That's more recent. Um I think it kind of changes as I think about, like, the different phases of our family. Yeah. Like, whenever, like, like the bike riding is a very simple thing of, like, like we're still young. We're still really yeah. young kids. And yeah. in Hartwell and then in Sharonville, there was, like, all of us going to the library. Yes, and walking over the library in Sharonville. Playing kickball in the churchyard. Yeah, that's Across a huge the street in Hartwell. Um christmases christmases yeah putting up the christmas tree here um birthdays and doing pancakes breakfasts in bed bed. for each of you guys when we 
used to do them actually in bed in on in each of your beds when we that time we got stranded um in the snow storm when we were trying to make I it was to tiny. Evansville. Was I Audrey know. born? No. No, it was not Audrey wasn't born yet and we got stranded trying to make it to Evansville. That's a big family memory. Um <laughs> and then um the time that you cut your own hair. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, which then, time? <laughs> yeah. With the peanut butter was, or I, I was, I left, you had gum in your hair and I left to get peanut butter and I came back and you just decided to cut it yourself. Was that before Abby's wedding? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, ah! Um, I remember looking in the mirror and being like, I don't know why you're freaking out. I'm like, <laughs> I don't think it's fine. that bad and you're this crying. You're just... <laughs> I then, uh, On top of that, me, when I shaved my head and you yes. cried. And then Natalie cut your hair. That was yeah. fun. Um, and Natalie almost cut my ear. Yes. I don't, because... She what she did was like, Noah, you should sneak into mom's room and get the scissors because like we would have nap time, which is more for you at that age than it was for me. Because I was pregnant with Gloria. Yeah. No, Gloria was born. Gloria was born when that happened. I remember I remember being pregnant with Gloria and you wouldn't nap. So I just laid in bed with you so that I could rest. Oh, no, wait, you were in the crib when I, you know, I was pregnant with Gloria. Yeah, no, not, not at this story. But I remember sneaking, getting the scissors, and then handing them to Gloria, to Natalie, and Natalie being like, okay, let me cut your hair. And uh, for some reason, I was just totally okay with it. <laughs> she, I was just like, oh, okay. put the scissors on your scalp and, and just, just cut. cut, cut. But yeah. there was one time, like, I think because I had the bowl cut, she couldn't see my ear, and she had the scissors, and she started to press down, and I, I screamed. I remember <laughs> oh, I started God. to scream because I, like, in that moment, I realized, like, I will literally lose my ear if she presses down. And then and then you come in and there's hair. I think we have a photo of that, of like all of the hair on the floor. And I'm just looking up from it. Mm-hmm. Memory. Oh, I remember too, uh, getting out the paint. You guys painting was an outside activity. Mm. And we had the easel that I put out on our, the little picnic table and put paper on it. You guys, and I just let you paint outside. Yeah. That was, you guys loved that. That was a fun activity too. I remember um, having all the neighborhood kids played in our backyard. Yeah. Because we had the best driveway and in the neighborhood. And we had the basketball hoop. Yep. Best driveway and the basketball hoop and just having the backyard filled with kids. And uh, those were sweet times. And then, um, your birthday parties. Yeah. We had a lot of birthday parties at the house. Those were always fun. And just having lots of kids over. Um, yeah. There's lots of good times. And uh, when Audrey was born, bringing her home. Yeah. You guys thought that was pretty great. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> I don't know. You guys just all doted on her. Because... There was the age gap there between the three of you and then Audrey being so little and bringing her home and you guys all kind of made over. That was pretty great. I remember, I remember like the, you guys gave us so many talks. Like, like this is what's happening. This is like, (laughs) you guys are going to have like a baby sibling. We don't know if it's a boy or girl, blah, blah, blah. And like, we might need your help. We might need you to change diapers. And I remember thinking, like, yeah, right. Like, I'm not going to change diapers. And, and, but Natalie like, did, though. But Natalie took it to task. Mm-hmm. Natalie, oh, yeah. But Natalie was also... Firstborn girl. Firstborn girl. Yeah. And seven and a half. Mm-hmm. So, like, pra- mm-hmm. she was practically eight. Yeah. I was five and a half. Yeah. So, 
But I remember Audrey just like, like you're like, she might wake you up through the night. She might be loud. She might like all these things. And then I was like, this baby stuff's really easy. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. She what, was a pretty easy baby. She was an easy baby. Yeah. But I remember, I remember like when you guys are like, okay, we're leaving for the hospital. And, and, uh, like we were watching little bear and little bear has this like very, it's like cello music. Yeah. And it was like, it's a really cool intro or whatever. Yeah. And we, and you kept like trying to make a moment out of it. And you're like, <laughs> we're, when we come back, you're going to have it. And we're like, whatever. Like, <laughs> just go. go. Our show is on. <laughs> and then Dave was in the corner and he's like, I'm going to be watching you guys. And we're like, yeah. We, <laughs> it's a party. We know we can milk Dave. <laughs> like, we Let's can, have cereal for dinner. Yeah, yeah. And he's just like, what do kids do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah so i remember that day too <laughs> yeah i would hope um yes. so wrapping up do you have any advice words of wisdom shout outs i'd like to thank my parents yay yeah <laughs> that's a good one yeah it's always a good one always a good idea to thank your parents yeah <laughs> not me though i never will <laughs> okay <laughs> thanks <laughs> no i've i've really enjoyed listening to all your podcasts it's they're great words of wisdom words of wisdom words of wisdom uh, always thank your parents okay <laughs> what do you want a cookie <laughs> yes i want a cookie um let's see oh okay here's the speech that i give all of my students and i've given you guys all the time so if you're asking for words of wisdom okay okay um i tell my students this this past year uh, if you can learn to identify other people's giftings and know that it doesn't make your gifting any more or any less in uh, God's eyes, then it will keep you from jealousy. It will keep you from feeling less. It will keep you in a place of humility and learn to celebrate that with other people and learn to um, um, align yourself with people whose giftings you need in your life. It will take you far in life. Yeah. There you go. Pretty words good words. Wisdom. Words Pretty of good. Wisdom by Kathy Bergdorf. Well, thanks, I guess. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Always thank your parents. <laughs> thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah, it right took back. a bit of convincing. Yeah, um, it did. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you guys for listening. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please check out the other ones. This is part of my series of doing an episode every other week for the year of 2022. And um, if you enjoyed this episode, please suggest it to your friends. Share it on social media. Um, that's just a way to help give me extra motivation to continue to upload and create content. But uh, yeah, thank you guys so much.